You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. The 91 Family Office is in the process of launching. To tell us more is Daryl Welsh, who's head of product at 91 Investment Platform in Cape Town. How long has this been in the making, Daryl? Has it been on the table for quite a while? Hi, Lindsay. Yeah, we've been working on the project for at least a year now. It's been technically quite challenging, but very rewarding in the, in the development. So it's been in the making for about a year. We probably started thinking about it probably around 18 months ago. Okay, so it's been quite a project for you. You kindly sent me a piece with some questions to guide me because I'm not really familiar with family offices, but uh, having read it, I'm, I'm starting to learn a bit more. And the first sort of introductory piece that you've sent, or note that you've sent me, you say the following, there are fundamental shifts underway in the intergenerational transfer of wealth. The baby boomers are approaching the age that will see a significant transfer of wealth. What are the implications? What you're saying is the baby, it's all over for the baby boomers. They're going to give it away. Yeah, look, there's a massive shift in the amount of money that's going to be transferred from what we currently call the baby boomers, which are typically, you know, those people born around sort of after the Second World War between 1946 and, let's say, about the 1960s. And so those people are sort of approaching the age of between 60 and 75 at the moment. And, um, you know, they they represent, number one, a significant part of the population, uh, just in terms of absolute numbers of people. But interestingly, the research that we looked at in the U.S., they also hold a significant amount of the wealth. And, and the estimates there are that, that the baby boomers currently own about 50% of all wealth in, in the U.S. You know? And so one can see that in the next five or 10 years, there's going to be a significant amount of wealth transfer that's going to happen just because of the sheer numbers. So that's the first interesting piece. The second interesting piece is where does that money get transferred to? And who, who the beneficiaries of that wealth is going to be. And that will typically be, you know, the next generation. And when we talk about the next generation, we often think about, you know, the millennials, um, or often referred to as Generation X and Generation Y. Yeah. Um, you know, it doesn't really matter what you call them. It's a quite a wide range, uh, that cohort, and some anywhere between the ages of, say, 25 and, and 55 years uh, you know, of age. Just before you so, go on, you said that 50% of the wealth currently in America, private wealth, is held by the baby boomers. What about South Africa? Is there a different percentage in this country? You know, we can look at statistics on our own investment platform. So on the 91 investment platform, if we look at the stats on that book of assets, 50% uh, of our clients are currently above the age of 60, but they represent about 70% of the assets. And mm. perhaps even more interestingly, 33% of the assets on our platform are held by clients currently above the age of 70. So, you know, even, even in that, there's a significant amount of money that sits in the sort of the, the above 70 age group. And if you extrapolate that into, let's just think about the unit trust industry as an example, you know, the unit trust industry is in the region of about 3 trillion rand. If you extrapolate our experience into that industry, you can probably safely say about a trillion rands worth of assets will migrate from the current generation to the next generation in the next five to 10 years. So it's a significant amount of wealth, you know, be it in America or in, in our own market. And without laboring the point, uh, you talk about a um, transfer of wealth. Does that mean that the baby boomers, in other words, the old people, are giving money to their offspring? Or does it mean that the offspring are actually making the money from themselves? Just please clarify that if you would. Sure. It's as the elderly generation pass on. Mm. So, you know, the heirs inherit the assets as that happens. So it's, it's literally the transfer of wealth from the one generation to the next.
And a second point you make is, and you ask the question kindly for me, you say, what does this mean for this generation? Call them next gen. How will they manage their assets? Is it going to be, I think it would probably be quite different to the way that their parents or even grandparents manage their assets. Absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, if, if one thinks about that next generation, which we said is anywhere between the age of 25 and 55, I think their attitude towards money and investing differs massively from from their parents you know one can just think about the fact that they are probably a lot more digitally savvy you know they would go online and look for information before committing to an investment they may listen to shows um, like your own show Lindsay, to get advice and to to listen to the experts that you have on your shows yes about where to invest their money or they may have different preferences in the types of investments that they invest in so generally we find that they are a lot more socially responsible in the way in which they invest their money and they may even be invested in things like crypto, which you know obviously wasn't around for the current baby boomer generation. This also presents a problem for an organisation like 91, for example, uh, because if not an upstart, but a person that has his or her own ideas about how to invest comes and says, well, I like crypto, I want to have a look at the NFT market, and maybe they're more willing to chop and change occasionally rather than leave the money there to accumulate like the previous generation has done. So while the generational aspect comes into this, also the risk advisor and wealth advisor aspect also might have to adjust somewhat. Absolutely, yeah. So I think we look, we're fortunate that we only deal through uh, independent financial advisors. And so a lot of those difficult questions and conversations would happen between the advisor and their client. But certainly in conversations that we've been having with advisors, a lot of those topics do come up for conversation. And often it's a, a completely new subject to both the advisor and to us that these investors are looking for alternative types of investments. So absolutely, I mean, I think the point here is that that generation has a very different view of investments to, to what their parents would previously have had. Um, there's lots of uh, statistics in, in your next paragraph, and they're presumably they provided the basis for the initiative to actually launch the 91 family office. So maybe you could give us a few and justify this, as I said, new initiative. Sure. There was some research done by NMG in 2020. They do an annual research of financial advisors in the South African market. And one of the things that they looked at was how diversified is the financial advisors book in terms of the clients that they are servicing. And an interesting stat that they came out with was that 53% of the accounts that the advisor looks at are single-member accounts. What do we mean by that? Well, it means that that 53% represents literally a single member of their family. The advisor is not looking at the spouse or the children. They're really just dealing with a single member in a family setup. The other interesting stat that they found was only 22% of advisors are currently performing or undertaking holistic family financial planning so you know generally the advisor would only focus on the parents investments and not really look any further um, you know, than the parents investments so really what it points to is the fact that there's a massive opportunity here for advisors who want to broaden the net and start thinking about the next generation advisors to move into that space and to start thinking about well how do i start approaching the next generation of the family yeah, you say with risk comes opportunity. From what you've just said, I would uh, turn it around with opportunity comes risk because you've almost got two worlds colliding, two generations colliding, and two different generations of risk advisors and wealth managers colliding as well, potentially. Absolutely. I mean, look, I think there is risk, yeah, there is risk. Uh, and again, we can point to some of the research that we found in the United States. And, you know, that research showed that 
70% of heirs plan to leave their parents' advisors, you know, when they inherit the money from their parents. But where the, the heir had been involved in the, in the financial planning, you know, up to 80% of those heirs would then consider staying with the parent's existing financial advisor. You know, so clearly there's, there is risk there. If, if the advisor is not having any conversations with the, with the children of the current clients, absolutely there's a risk that the advisor will lose those assets to another advisor. Mm. But the counter to that is that there's a massive opportunity, right? If, if the advisor is actively engaging with the heirs of the assets, then there's a huge opportunity to actually gather assets. And also, I suppose, Daryl, you, you at 91 will look at risk advisors that you, you work with closely and say, our age group, our target age group is much younger because of the transfer of wealth that we've been talking about throughout this podcast. So you might want to start employing younger people as well so the heirs can relate to them. Yeah, I think financial advisors, uh, there's a couple of ways in which they can sort of start to make those connections with the heirs. Uh, the one is, as you mentioned, by employing younger financial advisors in their practices. And we've seen that happening um, in some cases where um, an advisor will mentor a younger advisor in their practice to make that connection with, with uh, younger investors. Uh, but there are other ways in which they can also try and establish those relationships with the heirs of the assets and, and you know, simple, authentic um, engagement opportunities like a, a marriage or the birth of a grandchild or graduation from university. You know, those are all authentic opportunities to have a conversation with the parents and with the family members about, about financial planning issues. Okay, what's the solution here? You say 91 Family Office aims to address challenges in two ways. What are those two ways, please, Daryl? Sure. Well, I think before we get to that, I think the first thing to point out here is that while this all sounds very easy, you know, to offer financial planning at a family level, it's actually quite difficult in practice. And yeah. that's often because uh, the assets are split amongst different product providers. It's very difficult to get a consolidated view of, of the assets at the family level difficult to get the data aggregated so you can actually make sense of what's happening at the family level. And so what we've tried to do is to address those challenges through two mechanisms. The first mechanism is to make it easy for the advisor to report at the family level where those assets sit on the 91 investment platform. So we've created a family dashboard. That dashboard allows the advisor to get a quick and easy consolidated view of the entire family's assets by product and by fund, you can look at the asset allocation, the performance, the returns, the cash flows, et cetera, and makes it easy for the advisor to then share that with the family that they're dealing with as well. So the reporting aspect is taken care of. The second one, which I think is really important, is that it provides an incentive for the family to consolidate the assets in one place. And the way in which we've done that is we've offered an incentive in terms of the administration fee that the platform charges, uh, what I mean by that is that when we look at calculating what administration fee applies to the investments, we will aggregate the entire family's assets and charge the administration fee on the family's assets as opposed to working out the fee on the individual family members' um, assets. And so that creates a massive incentive for the advisor to say to their clients, look, there's a benefit for you as a family if you consolidate your assets here. Number one, there's a benefit because we can report at the family level. Number two, there's a benefit because in terms of rands and cents, you will end up saving money. Um, and number three, you know, when it comes to passing on the assets to your heirs in time, it, it makes it a lot easier to do that because all of the assets effectively reside in one place. So so I think it's a you know it's a win for the advisor and at the end of the day it's a massive win for the end investor as well. 
Quite right. What does it mean for 91 Investment Platform? Does that mean you've created a new division? Does that mean you have to change your thinking? How are you adapting to it? Because it's been 18 months in the making and it's in the process of launching right now. Sure. I mean, I think, look, we would never have been able to do this if the technology wasn't there. So in the past, ourselves and competitors tried to do this uh, sort of family aggregation, but it was very difficult because the systems just really weren't ready for it. But the technology has come along so far in the last, say, five years that it's really enabled us to build the systems to allow for this sort of development. And, uh, you know, in fact, if you think about how we've done it, uh, I'm sure many people are familiar with Apple family setup or Google family um, setup. We've we've effectively done a very similar development here where the entire process from start to finish is, is uh, entirely digital. It's initially driven by the financial advisor who would set up the family office. The parent or the principal of the family would then request consent digitally from the underlying investors or the underlying members of the family. And then the assets would start getting consolidated without the need for any sort of paperwork or anything like that. So the technology has really enabled it. And I think without that technology, we would certainly not have been able to deliver what, we, what we're delivering. Well, congratulations, Daryl. I hope it continues to go well. That's Daryl Welsh, Head of Product at 91 Investment Platform in Cape Town. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organisation, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.